You're listening to Producing with Purpose, an ethical business podcast with me, Tony Corrales. We'll be speaking to some of the greatest CEOs, creatives, founders, and entrepreneurs who have established and managed companies that put ethical practices at the forefront of their mission, all whilst navigating the challenges of the business world. Hello, welcome to episode nine of Producing with Purpose. As always, thank you for tuning in to listen. I appreciate you being here and listening to the show. And apologies, actually, to start things off today, because it has been a couple of weeks since we last put out an episode. Um, And not only is that a shame because we haven't been able to release anything and we're a little bit behind, but it's also a shame because for anyone who's listened up to this point, they will know that the goal of this podcast was to speak to one person every week and release an episode every week throughout 2021. And unfortunately, that means that we got to around March this year. Um, a couple of months of weekly releases, and then had a bit of a hiccup and effectively didn't achieve that goal. So it's actually a shame. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty disappointed, to be honest, that we didn't get to hit that goal of having a new episode every week. But by some strange, serendipitous way, it's a perfect alignment with today's episode where I'm speaking to Morella Arapian from Mech Studio, who are a creative and branding design studio. Uh, where we actually talk a lot about pivoting in a business. So you'll hear in this episode today in the interview with her that that she was running a um, branding agency, but then decided to realign it with her ethos a little bit more and become a branding and design agency that works solely with sustainable, ethical, vegan businesses, which is a really amazing thing to do. And it's actually a great conversation. I just know that you're going to enjoy it and get a lot from it. But interestingly, it's it's that pivot and that conversation that we have and the importance of being able to pivot in your business and the confidence to be able to do it and knowing that it's for the right move um, is is in a way why there hasn't been an episode for a couple of weeks. And it's not so much because I've pivoted away from the goal of a weekly release. We will still be sticking to that as much as possible and hopefully week in, week out until the end of this year. But sometimes you need to look at what's going on. Um, and if you need to actually pivot in a different direction and focus on something else, and that has been the case. In my list of priorities, working on No Skin is absolute top number one because this supports No Skin, this podcast supports that business and is an asset and uh, an arm of that business. And it's been an extremely busy month, really, in the lead up to our launch, which is going to be happening, honestly, in a, in a couple of weeks from now. I'm recording this intro and I'm actually expecting that within the next couple of days, we're going to have our, st- our stock starting to arrive in the warehouse. So, so that's the thing here is that you need to really focus on what the number one priority is. You need to pivot in the direction to accommodate that number one priority because you've got to set your goals and basically put your goals into priority order. So that there is definitely a goal of releasing a podcast every week. But there is an overarching goal of giving No Skin every chance for success and making sure that it's a smooth launch and that we do well. Uh, so in this case, I had to put a little bit of the podcast on hold for a couple of weeks and redivert my attention over there. So that doesn't mean I'm not disappointed about not meeting my goal. It's it's a shame when you can't cross a goal off of a list, and I'd have you know I'd have hoped that I would have got further than a couple of months of weekly releases. But also, you have to be honest with yourself. And you know, is is anybody devastated that there wasn't a weekly release of producing with purpose? Maybe one or two people were, and for those people, you were awesome. That's great. Um, But realistically, it it was more of a personal goal. So to give the update on No Skin, as I've just mentioned, we are getting really, really close to launching. And as I said in passing just then, we will be having things delivered to our warehouse, which is really amazing. We are actually now going to be located in a proper warehouse where we can store everything. We're also potentially going to be working out of there as well. We're going to have access to do photo shoots and get everything ready from there. And what's really cool as well is that we are sharing that warehouse space uh, with the crew over at Homey. And for those who have been listening to the show, I spoke to Nick from Homie a few episodes ago, and it was because of that connection, it was because of that chat that I found out that there was the opportunity to warehouse share with those guys. And once again, it's just a reinforcement that your network is your net worth. You know, these connections we make, these conversations we have, this podcast isn't just about putting out the podcast and helping the ethical business industry along. But it's about making those connections and putting uh, no skin into the best possible situation to make connections and see results from that as well. So, of course, as we are leading up to the launch of no skin, you'll hear me talking about that a little bit more. But today's focus is talking about that pivoting in business. So, as I said, you're about to hear this conversation with Morella from Mech. 
And this was a really great conversation. We got to have it in person as well, which has been nice. Some have been over Zoom recently. And we had a really long chat before and after. It was just a really nice chance to hang out and talk about our beliefs and what we're doing and get stuck into some, you know, more discussions around veganism as well. I don't incorporate that into every episode of the show, but it was nice to do it in this episode today. So we cover a couple of really great topics in this episode. Uh, Of course, as I've mentioned multiple times now, we talk about the confidence to pivot in your business, knowing when it's time, knowing why you're doing it and what the outcome is going to be. I'm really doing it to reignite that passion in working on your business. But we also talk about, you know, with Morella being from a branding agency, how important brand is for a business in the early stages, what to watch out for. There's a really good couple of points she makes as well about using services like Fiverr to get your design work done. Um, Some things that I'd never considered. So it's well worth listening all the way through the show to hear that. So once again, thanks for tuning in to Producing With Purpose. I hope you enjoy this chat. Apologies for the missed couple of weeks there. Um, Really, I'm saying that to myself, but I think I've forgiven myself now for, you know, putting my priorities in the right order. And from here on out, we'll be still aiming for that once a week release. And don't forget as well, you can follow us on Instagram on at producing with purpose, or you can check out all of the show notes over on noskin.co slash podcast. And here's Morella from me. Today on Producing With Purpose, we're speaking to Morella Arapian from Mech Studio. Mech Studio are an amazing design and branding agency here in Melbourne, who have actually transitioned from being a different brand that we're operating for seven years under the name Vertigo. So we're going to speak a little bit about that today. We're going to find out why Morella decided to pivot away from the previous business and branding, which is an interesting thing for a branding and design agency to do as well. But first of all, Morella, welcome to the show. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Um, Great to be here. First of all, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners of the land where we're meeting on today. And I pay my respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Awesome. Thanks for that. So and as you can gather there, you know, same same from this side too, with that acknowledgement as Morella and I are actually meeting in person, which is nice. A few of the interviews I've done previously have been over Zoom. So it's nice to be in the same room. Mm-hmm. Um, with that as well, there will probably be a little bit of background construction noise as we are in Cremorne, which is full of construction and lots of buildings going up seven days a week. So um, so let's just get stuck in and talk a little bit about Mech. Just give us, I suppose, the elevator pitch or the slightly extended version thereof of what, what Mech is and what you've been doing. So Mech is a purpose-driven design studio that combines ethics, sustainability, and creativity into brands and experiences that benefit people and the planet. We specialize in branding and design, and we work with purpose-driven businesses, people, and organizations that are looking forward to a better tomorrow. Nice. Excellent. That's a great brand like vision and encompassing statement you've got there. That's awesome. Thank you. So, But that wasn't always the case, was it? So previously to this, you were Vertigo, not Mech. Um, So when when did that transition happen? Um, I was thinking about it for a while now because we were Vertigo for seven years Mm -hmm. and we were, I've always, not always been vegan um, and an activist, but when I started Vertigo, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so further into that journey, I transitioned myself as well um, into those ethics and personal values. And I wanted to, I guess it was subconsciously wanting to align those values and ethics and my activism towards um, with my business. And it eventually got to the point where we outgrew Vertigo and the projects and clients we were working with weren't aligning with those ethics. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was, um, I guess it was behind the scenes. It was a long time coming, but Mm -hmm. during COVID 10 months lockdown, it was like, right, well, what else are we going to do? So (laughs) (laughs) let's have a repositioning of the brand. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So stepping back a little bit then, and you know, I've, as we were talking before we hit record, I'm, um, you know, I've come from working in an agency myself more in web development and things like that, but you know, understanding the world of agency, what, what were you doing to the point where you're like, you know what? This, you know, going into Vertigo, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a branding and creative agency. What was that journey? The journey was I was actually forced into it through personal experiences. My father was very ill and um, my mother was taking care of him by herself and they both lived interstate. Okay. So I was going up, up to Queensland, back and forth from Melbourne a lot. 
And um, it, it eventually got to the point where my dad needed professional care. And mm-hmm. so, um, and sadly, he eventually passed away. Yeah. And I couldn't really um, deal with that grief for a long time. I'm still dealing with it yeah. seven years later. Um, that's also a journey. However, I it was at the point where I couldn't be around people. I couldn't hold down a nine-to-five job because I was just so overcome with grief and it was debilitating to me so I thought well I'll do some freelance work from home because I don't need to see clients face to face I can just use the phone or email this was long before zoom (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so that's how I kind of started the business working from home and eventually grew from there but I started it with no money no network no clients no projects and no connections (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay well that's a that's a pretty bold move then I mean what what was that like? I mean, like you say, you came to that almost out of a, a sense of necessity then mm-hmm. that you had to do that. Um, and that's also a pretty big move that when you're in a, you know, realistically, you're in a pretty hard place, a darker place, and you then put yourself into a position where you've not got that connection to the network and the experience of doing it. Um, that's a pretty big step. Was was starting a business something that you'd thought of prior to that? Was that always something you'd considered doing? Um. My parents were both business owners. They've owned okay. a few businesses and I was kind of dealing some stuff in high school, not not drugs or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had like an entrepreneurial mindset in high school, but I didn't really realize it okay. at the time. So basically I was, I was selling magazines for lollies, like stupid things yeah. like that. Um, and so it wasn't something that I set out to do, start a business. Um, the situation kind of forced me into it, yeah. but because... I had all those lessons from my parents and mm. um, things like that that I could kind of yeah, cool. be like, maybe I could do this. Like my parents did it. They they immigrated here with nothing and they built two successful businesses. Why can't I do it? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Just out of interest, and what, what businesses did they start? What industries were they in? They were in a milk bar. Okay, yeah. Um, which I grew up in when I was a cool. kid and um, like a cafe yeah, restaurant. Nice. Yeah, I think it's also... I, I, like hearing you know when and I actually have come from an environment where my parents were not entrepreneurial like they weren't business owners that was never really a a vision I think that's something it's actually been quite a strange journey for me is it's not till I've really hit my 30s that I've always had it like niggling in the back of my mind that I want to go and start something Mm -hmm. but I think when you have when you come from a family that's been business owners and sort of self-employed and things like that you jump into it with a lot more ease. Whereas I feel like for me, it was taking away the stability of the nine to five was actually a harder jump because I've always been sort of told well, not told, but shown that that's, that's the stable, that's the good environment. So mm-hmm. maybe it was that in that harder situation then that brought something out of you to like, you know, yep. that was underlying and always there from high school to actually yeah. starting your business. That's really yeah. cool. Um, so in the days of Vertigo then, and you're doing, brand and design and that's that's going well i mean you've i know you said before we started chatting there's a couple of other people you know mech is founded up of three people now mm-hmm. um so what was were, were they with you all through or through part of vertigo as well before this transition one of them was one of them's the um the art director he's my yeah. partner okay yeah okay so that was not i was going to say was it a bit of a hard a hard sell to tell people about the pivot or to get people on board but then that was probably a little bit easier if it's you know someone that close to home yeah (laughs) yeah okay cool so so what i want to talk about then i think there's a couple of themes that i want to cover off today um one of which is is about pivoting and again this is something that we spoke a little bit about before and for anybody listening um i probably haven't mentioned too much in my chats about no skin and what we're doing there um on this podcast but we pivoted pretty early on and that was when Jai and I, who's one of the other co-founders, it, at first it was just the two of us talking. And we had this idea that, we were like, you know what, there's there's some really great vegan products out there. There are companies making amazing vegan shoes and vegan clothing, vegan mm-hmm. wallets. But a lot of them, I find that the marketing and the branding and the presentation is actually a little bit dated or is a little bit lacking. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, if we can get all of those awesome products, but give them a better presentation, we can give them, you know better presence online and in the market we can help them we can obviously make profit by being a sale by a point of sale in the middle Mm -hmm. Um, but as we moved through and through and we were just working out a business model really which is you know a massive um, 
tip and advocate uh, thing I advocate for is make sure that you do your numbers for anybody who's starting their business. Do your numbers and be realistic and say, you know what, the margins on this are actually not looking great. It's not going to be a good time. Um, so then we had a pretty frank discussion and we sat down and we said, do we do we carry on on this route? Do we like by this point we were talking to all different companies and we were talking to you know, amazing um, creators of vegan products and getting their wholesale rates and organizing deals with them. And I'm like, you know what, should we just be making our own product? Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, it was like, yeah, let's do that. But shit, we don't know how to make our own product. And that's where <laughs> our other co-founder, Ash, came in. And that all worked out wonderfully. Um, but pivoting even at that stage, I mean, we were three three months into an idea and we had a pretty major pivot. And even that felt like, oh man, was that three months prior? Was that a little bit wasted are we you know are we making the right decision are we going to regret the pivot all of these things and that was after three months of not even being a functioning business so what was the experience of pivoting after seven years of being an established business like was that nerve-wracking did it have to happen what was the process through that um first of all congratulations on setting up your own thing it's amazing (laughs) and i don't think that three months is wasted at all i think um (laughs) oh worthy of any regrets because you're on the right path now yeah true yeah um so it wasn't like something that was just that that just happened it was i think subconsciously i wanted it to happen for a long time and the more i'm involved in the animal activism scene Mm -hmm. and veganism and sustainability circles, the more it felt right and felt natural for the business to go down this path. Yeah. Okay. So it was pretty much in the, it was in the back of your mind and you had that thought process coming. So were there any tough conversations? Did you actually let go of any clients as part of this pivot? Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Let's hear about that. You don't have to name names. Um, no, um, (laughs) So basically, it's never a fun conversation. So a good way around that, and this is a good hack for business owners who want to rate, who want to let go of clients, is um, you just raise your prices because they're existing <laughs> clients. So you have an idea of their budgets. Yeah. So by raising your prices and using like COVID or whatever, yeah, um, you can you can do that, and then they'll say, "Oh, that's out of our budget." So there's like it's diplomatic there's no ill will and everyone's on good terms and yeah yeah and i suppose to an extent as well and you know maybe maybe it's the case and maybe you feel that way but if you are raising your prices across the board as part of a pivot like this you you have effectively niched down as well Mm -hmm. you know you there are a lot of branding and creative agencies out there um you know it's a competitive marketplace and by raising your prices and niching down you're becoming specialists in an area. So, mm-hmm. you know, if there are these purpose-driven businesses, they know that you are the one to go to. So, mm-hmm. yes, your price is that, but that's reflective of the fact that you offer a very bespoke service to their needs as well. Yeah, so I absolutely. think that makes sense completely. Yeah. Uh, which actually is an interesting point too. And this is a big thing that I'm um, talking about and I'm drawing into this podcast, but also having a lot of thoughts about in other um, speaking things that I'm doing coming up as well. And straight away, I know that there, there may be a few people listening who are like, well, you know, you're providing services for purpose-driven businesses or for ethical businesses, and you're actually increasing prices. Mm-hmm. Is, is that good? Should you not be offering better rates because they're trying to do things ethically? And actually, I think there really needs to be an understanding here that just because we're working in an ethical space, that doesn't mean things should be cheaper. We're still, we're providing tailored, well, I say we're, depending on what you're doing, providing tailored services just because something is sustainable, ethical, purpose-driven does not mean cheap. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that we really need to shift away from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it all comes down to the whole purpose-driven, ethical kind of businesses and organizations. People all generalize. I'm generalizing now, but people associate that with nonprofits. Yeah. And nonprofits don't um, always have big budgets. And also yeah. because you're doing something, you're giving, you're giving back to the community or to the animals or to the planet. And yeah. therefore, because you're giving, you should lower your prices to give to people who are also wanting to start businesses yeah. or grow their brand in the same space. But that's not how it works. So we're a profit for purpose business. Our goal is to make enough profit where we can do a few pro bono projects mm-hmm. every year. Yeah, cool. And that's the that's our that's our vision for the business. 
Yeah, and I think that's a really nice way to look at it as well. And it's a nice, uh, you know, it's a nice model to have underlying there too. And I think there is a bit of a consumer expectation now that if you are buying a sustainable product or an ethical product, it's actually more expensive. And I can speak from the experience of in fashion that, like, you know, the jeans that we're producing um, that are, you know, they're going to be sold at a fairly high price point because they're, you know, they're Japanese salvage denim. They're very nice, very well made. It's very good quality, but they're from recycled materials as well. That's the the reason we want to make this. They're long lasting and they're sustainable. Mm-hmm. But to actually create a pair of these jeans costs almost as much as some jeans cost to go into like general pants or something like that and buy. It's like that's how much it's costing us per unit to create this. So I think the consumer is understanding now that ethical products do cost more, but we buy less, but we buy well and we buy meaningfully. But that needs to transition into every space. And that needs to be understood by the companies like myself who are creating these products that if we want tailored and specialized services from agencies and branding and things like that, that it's all part of that economic cycle. The things at that level are more expensive as well. And I think that's something we all need to acknowledge is we're lifting the economy for everybody who's doing something good. Absolutely. And I think with the pandemic that's happening now, people are more attuned to their consumer, their consumption, um, where they spend their money, how they spend their money, what they're buying as well. Um, They're more aware and um conscious even so i think um it's going to take it's going to take time but the shift is starting to happen where people are starting to see value in their consumerism yeah absolutely so then going back to your your pivot and focusing back on that subject when you transition i think and i think in a way you know it's really it's for one as well what i haven't said is it's admirable to do that and it's awesome and i'm really happy to hear that people like you are doing that where you've got your business as well and it's it's not just a job, obviously. You are the business owner. This is something you founded and spent a lot of, you know, your heart and your effort in creating. Mm-hmm. And then to have personal alignments that are now coming out of shift with your business, it's very easy to say, yeah, but the business works and it's what we do and it's all okay. But to put to put yourself at risk and mm-hmm. say it's it's not okay, I need to align that, that's that's really impressive as well. So Thank you know, you. Yeah, big shout out that. for doing that. Thank you. Um, but then I suppose coming after that, you've made the pivot and you've let go of some clients must be a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Have you, what have you found it like acquiring new clients now that you are this purpose-driven version of Mech, although it hasn't been for that long? No, so we launched at the end of November. Yeah. So it's just a few months now. And it's essentially you know, kind of like starting over. Yeah. Because we have a new mission, vision, purpose, um, new direction, people we want to work with, companies want to collaborate with, things like that. So we're essentially starting over from scratch. Um, But it's the best thing I've ever done in my business, ever. Cool. And it's just a huge weight has been lifted. Like we're super focused. Everything has like crystal clear clarity around it. We know what we want to do, who we want to do it with. Whereas before, because we were like kind of like had our toes in the pool and we weren't 100% sure we wanted to fully dive in. But now that we have, it's the best thing I've ever done. That's so awesome. aligning my values with my business, um, the only thing I regret is not doing it sooner because it's, it's really a no-brainer when you put yeah. yourself into, into your business like that. Well, as well, I can imagine that, you know, it's it's your business and you've you've had a business running for seven years. So there must have been levels of success and, you know, you've done mm-hmm. done well to get it that far. Um, but to then, I, I can only imagine that it gave you a little bit of that that first year revitalization again, where you are happy to sit there and like work the extra hours and put in the extra mm-hmm. hustle for it because you're like, now I know I'm doing it for something I really actually believe in yes. and I know I'm... I'm back on track. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't feel like a chore. Yeah. Um, I enjoy going into the studio. I, I enjoy it all over again. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great new lease of life for you and yeah. for the business, which is so cool. And I think that's, yeah, so so what I'm hearing there and what, I'm, what I, you know, I, and I'm a believer in pivoting anyway, as I say, you know, we've done it and it was a, it was a smaller scale, but we've always maintained the vision as we've started this company and we're a year into it and, you know, through that grinding process of pre-launching a product. But we've always maintained if pivoting is what we need to do to get back on the right track and to be really happy with what we're doing, then we pivot all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that 
there's that feeling of once you've invested time or money into something that if you change then it's lost but you you have to do it and I think there's probably a lot of people listening who they have their businesses and maybe they already have the ethical business they're not necessarily pivoting because they want to align their values Mm -hmm. but they might be thinking do you know what I, I had this idea and it's been running and it's okay but I know that if I changed into this direction, it could actually be a more profitable business. It could provide more value. It could do more things. And I think, as you say, you'll just get a new lease of life if you, you know, if it's in the back of your mind and you think you should be doing it, Mm -hmm. it's going to get to a point where you're going to have to do it. Yeah. So let's say do it sooner. It's like trying to ignore a problem. Like it it won't go away until you confront it. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be pretty scary. And I can imagine after seven years of doing that, it's pretty scary to, you know, pivot away from what you know and what you've already built that's you know it's a big move yeah to be honest with you i just didn't care like um, (laughs) because we were in lockdown and um we let go of some clients and um work was coming in like sporadically and it was like well i'll just fuck it i'll just do it like who cares (laughs) like we can't like get worse than we are now not that it was bad but yeah yeah so let's do it and see what happens and yeah. that, that saying leap and the net will appear yeah totally true yeah cool i yeah. think i think that's it and that's what i hear so much from people i'm speaking to is that like make the jump quit your job like you know pivot mm. when you need to it, it really does feel that way um and you know i've mentioned in a previous episode that i've recently made the move to quit my job that i've done for five years working in an agency as well which i've really loved every minute of but now i'm doing this venture Mm -hmm. and straight away it's like there's there's opportunities there's doors that are opening and things just fall into place it's it's there for the taking if you've got that mindset as well to get up every morning and like go at it then the opportunities do fall in front of you for sure yeah absolutely everything aligns and works in your favor yeah it really because you put it out there that's it it's just putting it out there Mm -hmm. The Climactic Collective, the podcast network by and for Australia's climate community, is launching a new group. Podcasters declare a climate and biodiversity emergency. It's great to see architects and city planners setting up industry-specific climate action groups. What these groups actually do varies a lot between them, but they're all united by the shared belief and understanding We have to declare we're in an emergency footing, and business as usual within our industries isn't good enough anymore. We can't just go to work and then do activism on the side or care about climate on the weekends. We have to make it part of everything because it's already affecting everything. And with your help, we can raise the volume for climate-engaged podcasts. Just get along to podcastersdeclare.com to find out more. The Climactic Collective. Great. So the next subject that I want to talk about, so we've talked a little bit about pivoting and, you know, completely advocate for doing that when the time is right. And it sounds like you definitely picked a, picked a good moment and it was the right time, opportune moments. Um, but now let's talk about what your, you know, what your day to day is, the, the branding and design being a creative agency as such. So just give an overview, I suppose. And I think Branding and design is one of those things that even for me, I work in agency world and I see a lot of things come through from branding agencies, but I don't think I always understand the extent of what that can mean. So give me a bit of a rundown of what Mech offers as a branding studio. So a brand is absolutely essential to any business that wants to grow and make an impact on the industry, the market, people or the planet. Um, Branding is a vessel that carries your beliefs and your products and services, and it's it how it's how it communicates to the people you want to speak to, and it's not just a logo. A logo mm-hmm. is a very small part of a brand. Um, a brand is a feeling, and that's not something that can be done quickly or cheaply, yeah. or you copy someone else. Like it's it's an essence. And that takes a long time and a lot of passion and strategy and storytelling to produce yeah. and endure. So at MEC, we offer we specialize in branding as well as design. So we offer brand strategy, which is the nuts and bolts of your brand, like mm-hmm. the, the engine behind it that drives your brand. And um, so that's um, competitor analysis, audience, product, service, markets, things like that and um 
also long-term business growth, vision, mission, purpose, things like that. Yeah. And um, also to, to materialize that, you need a brand identity. So we offer brand identity as well, um, brand communication, storytelling, and brand purpose. So a lot of people start businesses and they've got a cool product or service, which, yeah, it's cool, but they don't know why they're doing it beyond it being cool and yeah. for a, a brand to endure and a business to endure in today's landscape it needs more than this is cool yeah um, yeah <laughs> to reach to reach the right people and sustain growth yeah awesome yeah. and i think that one of the first things you said there is it's i really like the you know to actually think of it in a literal sense of it being a vessel for your beliefs and your messaging and i think you know that's important for any business that actually has the underlying purpose as well is you've you've got this reason you know whoever's got their business at home and yeah you've got this reason that you want to get it out there and you've got this reason that you think the market should adopt your product and you've got this reason as well that you think when the market adopts your product it will have a positive impact on the world around you in some Mm -hmm. form or another but how do you convey that you know how do how do you let people know that and it's exactly the same you know with with no skin as well is genuinely with the products that we're making they are there's there's a lot of underlying belief systems for us that it's actually slowing down fashion and we can kick away some of the concepts of seasonality in fashion which makes people want to buy things more quickly and adopt fast fashion methods and then throw it away which is just you know one of the biggest issues of waste on the planet Mm -hmm. you know we want to incorporate non-animal materials but show the quality of it because we want to prove that we can shift this mindset that it's leather so therefore it's good it's like no that's not you know that's not the case but Mm -hmm. we have all of these things now you can't just say that on the homepage of your website you can't have a you know half a book on the homepage of your website (laughs) say this is why this shit's awesome yeah and it's your brand that's going to convey that to the customer and somehow even subconsciously they're just going to click with that straight away and understand it and that's yes a brand is just not to be overlooked but i feel like a lot of companies in their early stages do tend to overlook the depth of brand a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand why, because you start a company, not everyone has massive budgets or really knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started my business um, over seven years ago, if I wasn't a brand brand designer, I would be fucked because I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. I didn't have the money, like I mentioned earlier, yeah. to, to hire an agency or whatever. So I understand people... Um, adopting like DIY or cheaper methods when they start out. But when you get to year two and you're seeing growth and year three, you you can't fake it till you make it um, after that point. And so there are a lot, like countless um, businesses and organizations in the ethical um, plant-based sustainability space that they're just, they're not doing doing themselves justice the their branding is letting them down yeah you can tell when a when a company has gone to um freelancer or fiverr like it's obvious because um they all look the same like for example for vegan businesses the um i I won't use jargon (laughs) um but like the business name is in green and there's um a v with a leaf somewhere or the word vegan in the business name and after a while, they all these businesses look the same. There's no differentiation. There's no excitement. It, it just looks boring. It's like, oh, another leaf, another green yeah. green font. There's so much more to it than that. And that's what brand strategy uncovers. And it's essential to drive business growth. And I, I cannot stress that enough. And especially in this space where what we're all doing, which is amazing, amazing shit, yeah. we need to have that at the forefront of all business. Yeah, because that way, that's how we're these businesses that we we have. They're our form of activism as well, mm-hmm. because with your business, you want people not to buy into fast fashion. You want them to slow down and be more conscious of their purchases and what they wear as well, and the supply chain behind all that. Like yeah. it, it has to be ethical and non non exploitative. Yeah. So all that's important. And these are really important messages that are essentially going to save the planet because there's a climate crisis. So everyone in this space needs to really pull their finger out and stop being 
um, cut, stop cutting corners because this is beyond you and your budget and your business. This is this is essentially saving the planet and invest in, in good branding and good design because we all have important messages that we want people to act on, like um, stop eating animals and um, stop wearing animals, <laughs> yeah. um, things like that. And the way that that's going to come across and get people to take action is through strong branding, which is um, an offshoot of that is strong messaging. Well, I think, and yeah. What a, Sorry, I got uh, a little bit fiery there. No, uh, well, I was just really passionate say, about this. That's excellent. And the last thing you said that the last words were strong messaging, and everything prior to that point was strong messaging. Oh. And I think that's you know, so geez, go and go and get onto the Mech website and sign your business up and get a consultation because <laughs> I even now I'm like, yeah, my my business is my form of activism, like even more yeah. so that's, that's an awesome way to put it. And that's so empowering. And I hope that like, you know, people just listen to this and they suddenly, their ears pricked up and they're like, my business is my form of activism. Don't cut corners, do it properly because we've got a job to do. And, you know, cause it's something that I'm a big advocate for. We've got a job to do. We can save this. And if we do it properly, we've got a better chance of being profitable, making money, being comfortable and long lasting rather yep. than another, you know, another vegan business or cafe that pops up and is gone in a year mm -hmm. because they didn't try to do it properly. Yeah. And also it's good to um, keep in mind that only 2% of the Australian population is vegan and vegetarian combined. And yep. the problem that these businesses have is only marketing to vegans. It's yeah. <laughs> so that, that was something I was going to ask you actually from your perspective. And obviously, you know, you've You've got your you've got your opinions on it, but you're also looking at, at it from the point of um, brand strategy and positioning and messaging in the marketplace. What are your thoughts on? Um, I suppose what are you what are your thoughts on labeling a brand as specifically vegan or sort of having vegan heavily in the messaging? And let's take in for this example and to have some selfish consultation time with you for no skin. <laughs> this is something that we've battled with. Is we're like, you know what? Do we? Do we niche down and we're very overtly on our website a vegan brand mm -hmm. or do we do a bit of the Lord of the Fries method, you know, where it's not, you've got to kind of look at the small print to actually know what, what's your thought on how much brands push their veganism or something like that? I think with Lord of the Fries, their um, brand strategy is to be like the vegan McDonald's yeah, and no shade to them for that because it absolutely works. And they're more of a broader market than no skin is. You're very specific. Yeah. So early on as well, which is fantastic, but you're, um, you're very specific and you don't sell a lot of product. Yeah. Um, you don't have large quantities of products sitting around and you don't have sales all the time and things like that. You're more of a, um, an upscale, like more considered brand yeah. than Lord of the Fries is. So they will say this is, plant-based food yeah because they want to appeal to everyone so when yeah. you want to appeal to everyone you put plant-based because non-vegans non are put off by the word vegan yeah it challenges their very existence their culture their identity um, their family their traditions everything and they don't like that yeah so having Lord of the Fries is plant-based, mm -hmm. appeals to everyone. And for you, you're more niche. You can have vegan because yeah. – and also you're not food. So um, it's easier for people to buy into it and like, oh, I bought these super cool pair of jeans, but um, they're vegan, but I don't need to stop eating meat because I've bought vegan jeans. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, it's yep. – yeah, you're, you're adopting – so we're selling and consumers are effectively adopting – elements of vegan lifestyle so that's a little bit different because it doesn't challenge as much what they're doing outside of that as well yep interesting cool thanks for the tips all right <laughs> uh, so so you did touch a little bit on in let's call it your rant um <laughs> the, about the you know about people effectively cheaping out and again i do you know i want to stress to people listening that having started this business you know myself as well it's bloody expensive, you know, we're, mm -hmm. and we've put in a lot of capital and there's, there's a lot at risk and, you know, I, I hope people get on board with it and I hope it does well, 
But if not, there's no doubt that, you know, it will, it's a pretty severe financial impact. There's been a lot of money into this, but that's because we want to do it mm-hmm. as as well as we can within the budget constraints. You know, there are obviously we're still very low budget in comparison, but we still acknowledge where we need to spend. Yeah. Um, and of course, there is the emergence in recent years of things like Fiverr and of Canva. And I know, you know, I know it's a, coming from an agency myself. There's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of snarkiness towards Canva designs and things <laughs> like that. Whilst at sometimes it can serve a bit of a purpose, you mm-hmm. know, we'll, we'll give it its dues. It does do well. And as a business, they're killing it. So yeah. fair enough, yep. <laughs> you know, can't take that away from them. Mm-hmm. But what's your thought? I mean, I know. And again, if anybody out there is a Fiverr designer, there are some great people on Fiverr who have got genuinely good skills and knowledge. But what do you think somebody's missing out on if they if they go to something like this? And, you know, they might get it 10 times cheaper, but what are they missing out on 10 times over? Oh, do we have 10 more hours to talk about that? <laughs> we, <laughs> well, got a, we got a little while. Um, you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. So with Fiverr, um, there are so many talented designers all around the world. The problem with Fiverr is that these talent, there are talented designers on Fiverr as well, but they are from um, other countries where the minimum wage of those countries does not align with the minimum wage of the country of the client that's hiring this designer for their logo or whatever. And so um, there's a bit of um, underpayment and exploitation as well because mm. um these platforms take a significant fee. These these designers are always um, like competing for work, and yeah. that leads to like significant stress. And these are people in countries where there's a lot of stress, as it is with various societal factors. And so it's to me like people voluntarily are on Fiverr, but they're on there because they're just starting. They need their big break. But I think. While it has its place, it can exploit people as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That, see, that's something I... That's I'd number one. <laughs> not, and that's an avenue of it I've never considered is actually the the ethical dilemma then of using something like Fiverr. Yeah. Interesting. So as an ethical business, like you've got to be ethical throughout your business. You can't pick and choose when to be ethical. Yeah. Because people will know about it and if you claim you're an ethical business and you get caught out on something that's really hard to come back from yeah yeah that's called greenwashing that's another conversation (laughs) um so also with fiverr there was an incident where someone provided a logo to a client and it was the Qantas kangaroo um (laughs) and so you don't know you don't know what you're getting and there's also there's difference um if you're hiring a designer from overseas they don't understand like the society and the culture and the financial market and the economy and um, audiences in other countries they might not know all that yeah if they did they wouldn't be on fiverr they would have their own agencies and charging a lot more yeah so um by hiring someone on fiverr um you're getting you're just getting a, a quick and easy logo at a cheap price yeah yeah okay so let's so, I mean, my, my next question was going to be is when when is it time for a company starting out to stop using something like Fiverr and go to an agency and do it properly? But, you know, based on what you're saying there, it might be the case that it's never time to use something like Fiverr. That's something that people can consider now um, on their journey of doing it. But let's take, let's say, for example, oh, yeah, my my mate's doing you know, a graphic design course in his free time and he can knock me up a logo for 50 bucks versus should I go and get a full brand strategy? Obviously, for some people, it is it is too far ahead in the journey mm-hmm. for them to start considering getting a full brand strategy. And, you know, if it is that you've got the small vegan cupcake business mm-hmm. that you're, you know, as you say, coming to once a week out of the market, you probably don't need to go to somewhere like Mech and get a great creative brand yeah. strategy. Yeah. At what point do you think it is time, though, to... Um, you know, invest in your brand? Um, when you start seeing significant brand growth um, with your business, so your sales are more than you forecasted, um, your revenue is more, you need to hire more people, um, you need to, or you want to have more products, you want to sell internationally, you absolutely definitely need a brand for um, international trade. Yeah. Um, so starting out, it's it's cool if you get your mum's cousin's neighbor's dog to fire up Photoshop and whip you up a logo. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, a lot of people don't have big budgets, like I said, when they start up. But yeah. 
you can't have that forever and you can't use that to gain new audiences because people see straight through it. Um, and especially if you want to charge $18 for a cupcake yeah. and you have a $5 logo where everyone who looks at it can see that it's a $5 logo. Yeah. If you want to have an $18 cupcake and people to buy it and your business to endure, you need to step yeah, up you your branding. Step it up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, and I think that's really important. And I think one thing as well to consider, and, um, you know, I've seen this actually in a business of a friend and things like that is they did start off with pretty lackluster branding and it was fine and it Mm -hmm. did the job because you know early days you just want to test the market and I'm also an advocate for you know testing your market a little bit seeing what kind of response you get to your product before you you know flood out your savings account and throw everything into doing it you know you want to make sure that you've got a feasible business plan Um, but there's also a pretty apparent danger in using that sort of you know, the kind of half-cooked branding that you started out with, maybe using it for that 6, 12, 18 months too long and then keep thinking, man, I really need to get some proper branding done. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of get this organic growth and it does start going well and then you have to do a rebrand. And a rebrand is actually quite a challenging thing to do, mm-hmm. to to go from what you had previously that was the kind of starting out option and now get a proper brand. Mm-hmm. It's quite a shift for your customers to see that happening and you kind of want to do that a little bit before you've already picked up your momentum, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the best time to do a rebrand is when your business is going well. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if it's not going well and you're like, oh, I'll rebrand my business because it's going shit, um, <laughs> that's that's a Band-Aid solution and it's not going to fix it. And it's something that you'll want done really quickly yeah. and really cheaply as well so you can get back out there selling your products or services. Yeah. But it doesn't work. Yeah. taking a quick break here to say thanks again for listening hope you're enjoying what you're hearing today and if you are enjoying it please leave a review as we're a new podcast those reviews are really important to us and also don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts look we've covered off we've covered off pivoting um which is you know a huge part and also then the branding side of things as well so tell us a little bit about what's actually going on with mech in the coming years any projects that you're excited for or also what you know what you can offer and what people can get in touch with you if they like to know more about um so we're currently working on a holistic vegan health community um, Mm -hmm. in perth so it covers personal training so physical and plant-based recipes and eventually a plant-based cafe so physical nutritional social where people can come and gather and hang out and have a good time and meet new people and also mental health services yeah so that's a pretty big project and we're really excited about doing that one they want to get in touch um Email me. You can email me directly, morella at mech.studio. Our Instagram is at mech.studio. Our website is mech.studio. Cool. That's three times. So maybe it'll subliminally, <laughs> like you'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning going, mech.studio. mech.studio. That is it. <laughs> yeah. And if you do forget it, you can go into the show notes of this as well and you can click on the link for mech.studio. <laughs> so. That's awesome. And I think, uh, you know, I'm really excited to follow the journey of what you're doing. I'm also excited to see the brands that you're helping and that you're working with, because I know that they've, you know, they've taken their branding seriously and they've come to you. So Mm -hmm. it'll be good to follow on as well. And it's a good, good way to get exposed to other people who are doing great work. Yeah. Um, So just to shift on then to one of my final questions, and this is something that I sent over to you before I've been asking everyone a variation of this question lately, um, which is if you were able to post one thing on facebook that would be front and center of everybody's news feed for 24 hours what what would you post animals are here with us not for us stop eating animals stop wearing animals stop using them for entertainment stop exploiting them stop enslaving them we'll just leave them alone (laughs) (laughs) and that i'm being really kind (laughs) that's yeah that's the um, tapered down version just leave them alone yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I think that's I think that's great. And I, I really like, you know, there's it can I don't know about you, but it can sometimes be um, 
it's almost like as veganism has become more mainstream and it's more in our branding, it's more in our businesses Mm -hmm. and things like that, you can sometimes feel a little bit like you have to tone it down because as it becomes a little bit more mainstream and prevalent in people's minds, you almost need to soften it because you want to get people to find their own journey. And I feel there's a real fine balance now of still keeping it front and center, still making the point about what's happening and not just going, hey, things are getting better, it is on the up. It's like still pushing it, but it's a more delicate balance now, I think. Like the activism has softened, but it still needs to be present. Yeah, absolutely. And I was always of the mind that everyone's on their own journey and they'll come to it in their own time, like I did. Like I wasn't born vegan. Yeah. Like um, my friend was born vegan, which is incredible. And it's like, wow, <laughs> you're like a unicorn, but no one else like yeah. is very rarely born vegan. Um But the thing is, we don't have time for every, like I I say this with love, but we don't have time for your journey. There's a climate crisis. Yeah. Animal agriculture is the um, leading cause of deforestation, the second leading cause of the climate crisis. We don't have time for people, people's like to get there. Like, please just like do it now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, You do need a little bit. Like the veganism thing, like there's love and we we do it out of love, um, but we also do it out of urgency as well. Yeah. Um, And my partner's on his journey, I'm using air quotes, (laughs) to being (laughs) vegan right now. Um, But everyone, everyone has all the information. Everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. And like, just do it. Like. Just stop <laughs> yeah. stop eating animals. Um, there are plenty of delicious, amazing, incredible alternatives. When I was first vegan, it was just tofu and, <laughs> and soy cheese. And I know. Like, it was what? Terrible and, times. And now you can get a vegan Big Mac. So please hurry along your journey if you're <laughs> yeah. on a journey. But, yeah, we kind of don't have time time for it. Like, it'll take a generational shift for the whole planet to be vegan if... Yeah, that's like utopia, but it'll take a long time. But yeah. where we have the education and the the food and the resources and the availability and the accessibility right now to yeah. to, to speed re- up your journey. Just yeah, to speed <laughs> up your journey and inspire others to do the same. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's nice. It's actually nice to have a little bit of that to top off the show as well. I mean, you know, this is ultimately it's it's a business podcast, but it comes from the underlying you know purpose and being vegan myself for 12 well actually longer now like 14 years or so it's it's not something that we go too much into on the show but it's an important platform for it to have a message as well Mm -hmm. so it's great and um you know also a shout out to the climactic collective which is what producing with purpose is a part of um you can also check out the climactic collective.fm well climactic.fm website where there's a lot of other podcasts as well about the climate crisis which is a really important place to go and do your research Um, And also search for Podcasters Declare, where we're currently putting an open letter to Apple to make them create a topic or a subject in Apple Podcasts for climate. Because at the moment, you've got your subjects or your, um, you know, your categories in Apple for true crime, for comedy, Mm -hmm. for health and for things like that. But there's not one for climate. So you can go and sign the open letter to ask Apple to have a climate category as well so that more people can learn about the climate crisis. So, Morella, thanks very much for being on the show. It was great to have a chat. It was great to get some uh, cheeky insights as well and some free consultation for No Skin. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Awesome. Thank you. Cheers.